raise the bar on health and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening. Welcome. Beautiful group tonight. Lots of aliveness in this room. And I'm going to attribute half of it to the Detox Retreat Week and the detoxers who are currently here. Woo! So you guys in the back are like, what are you talking about? The front row here, the people sitting in the really special chairs, they haven't eaten in six days. They're on the Detox Retreat Week, April, April 2015, and they're doing absolutely amazing. Yeah. And because of them, yeah, oh, there we go. There we go. Look at that applause. You haven't gotten one of those yet. Because of them, uh, we have once a month, every month here, a special edition of my Monday Night Talks, and so tonight we'll be discussing the hot topic of food combining. Yeah. So essentially the intention for tonight's session is starting to understand, starting to look at digestion in the organ of the stomach itself. And it's normally where most of us kind of get lost and things don't go down so well. There's some bolsters back there, some cushions to sit on. Okay, so my name is Andrea. For those of you who don't know me, welcome. I'm the director of the detox department here at the Yoga Barn, and it's my honor to hold this space every Monday night because really what it is is a free class, right, where we start to create an environment where it's safe to begin to think critically about this concept of health. And we've often lost a lot of our critical thinking skills when it comes to health. It's been far too long that we've disempowered ourselves by literally handing our health away to a doctor. <coughs> you know, you come home from a doctor and someone says, oh, what did the doc say? Right? As if you, who's lived in your body for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 odd years, don't know anything about what's going on in here. And so a lot of the work I do is helping people reconnect, right? starting to interpret the messages that our body is always sending us so that we can start to listen better and be a cooperative with this physical vehicle that we're driving through life inside of. Yeah? Our spirit lives inside of our body. Just like if you had a really expensive vehicle, like a Maserati or a Lamborghini, you would learn how to take care of it. You would treat it well. You would give it the best fuel. You would make sure that it goes out for runs every so often and that it gets proper rest as well. You would polish it, take care of it as well as you could. Well, you have a Lamborghini, a Maserati. It's your human body. And so a lot of these sessions are waking up to start to learn how to better connect with it. Right? It's like a user manual. Read a user manual if you had a very expensive call. Beautiful. So it's about time that we take our health back into our own hands and start to empower ourselves to be fully alive on this journey of life. And a lot of the work I do personally and professionally is helping people raise the bar on health. 
whereby we no longer define health merely as absence of disease because that's normally how we define it in society. I'm not sick, at least I'm healthy, right? I'm healthy because I'm not sick. But what if there's more? That's my question. What if there is more? So often I bring people back to a memory perhaps of how you felt when you were like five or six or seven years old, right? A kid with abundant, fruitful energy, right? You wake up in the morning and ah, let's start the day. What game can we play? Right? Mom, dad, wake up. Let's go. Let's go. Like vigor, fervence for life. That is vitality. So returning to that and actually using that as a new standard for health can be one of the most powerful decisions that we ever make. So the detoxers are learning that firsthand this week. Right? They haven't eaten in six days, and we have that old adage, food is fuel. We need something from outside to give us something. But this vitality that I'm talking about is something that very much comes from inside. And so I'll ask them, how do you guys feel six days after not eating? I mean, they gave us a thumbs up before. They're, they're doing pretty well, right? This is a pretty exceptional group also. But they're feeling amazing. They haven't eaten in six days. I know some of you in the back couldn't even dream of not eating for six days. But yet you see right here physical proof that not only is it possible, but it enhances your life in a way that you would have never thought possible. So tapping back into this inner vitality, that's one of my biggest missions. A big part of that is starting to figure out what's going on in your system and often what holds you back over time. And digestive issues definitely hold a lot of people back. Yeah? The enteric nervous system, a branch of our nervous system that's located in the intestines, is incredibly powerful, incredibly receptive, and always giving feedback on whether we're happy or sad, right? And how we feel here, if we've pooped or not, things like that, have a big effect on how not only your emotional state is, but how your mood is, right? How ready you are to jump out of bed like that six-year-old or not. And so starting to unlock the secrets of digestion is my intention, is my gift tonight. So I like to start every lecture through kind of exposing my own bias. I strongly feel that anyone who can sit up here in front of people and speak for 45 minutes, which I'll be doing, we'll have 15 minutes of questions at the end, so save any questions you have, all right? I'll give you a chance. Anyone who can do that has some biases, and so I prefer to show them to you up front. My strongest, most fundamental bias is that of natural health and hygiene. Yeah, so I've actually I've just finished my doctorate in naturopathy. And the roots of naturopathy are in something called natural hygiene. And natural hygiene uses fasting as the backbone for everything it does. It's a return to a natural state of working, a natural state of functioning of the body. Yeah, returning to the elements and really returning to the inherent understanding that the body has full power, capacity, and capability to heal itself. And I'll say that again because you weren't and they taught that in school. The body has full ability to heal itself. It simply has to be given time and space to do so. So that's what these guys up here, a fasting retreat, are doing, giving that time and space. And it's something super, super, super important. So you guys can come back another week to these lectures if you want to learn more about fasting. 
my other biases that I'll expose to you, I have a Master's of Science in uh, Ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and food plants, or people and plants. My specialty is gastroethnobotany. I did my, my field research here in Bali, looking at the change in diet, Balinese over three generations, and kind of the pairing, the relationship to diet and disease. I've done other studies uh, under Colin T. Campbell, the author of the China study, the longest nutrition study ever done in the history of man. And that showed us that definitely the five most common maladies of today, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, diabetes, obesity, and cancer are not only all completely preventable, but also possible and reversible through diet and lifestyle changes alone. That's a diet that comes much more back to the earth. It's a plant-based diet. It's a whole food plant-based diet. Because three times a day, what is this? This is medicine. So whatever we put in our mouth, it's either hurting us or healing us. So we're going to find out tonight how we combine certain things and how they result in the body. Okay? My last bias that I'll share with you is that I'm the director of colonics here. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist, so I, I look a lot at the bottom end, if you say. You're supposed to laugh at that. Are you going to be a tough crowd? All right. Yeah, I look a lot at the bottom end. Thank you. Uh, and so digestion is indeed one of my specialties. If I could, if it were physically possible, I would do a PhD in the chemistry of digestion. But guess what? That's not physically possible because the moment I take a living, breathing human body, I take it with me into the laboratory and I cut it open to start to analyze the digestion, it's no longer living, breathing, and digesting. You see that? So a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about isn't really accessible in the scientific sphere because we just can't replicate the magic of the human body, the digestive system, right? We're trying really hard. There are researchers in Asia who are trying to replicate a fake human digestive system with all of the chemical releases, et cetera, et cetera. But guess what? There's so much more going on in the human body, right? There are 10 other physiological systems that we would have to integrate into the digestive system to even begin to understand the complexity of what happens every time you take a plate, right? So with that said, since we can't see it from science, Guess what? You right there have a living, breathing human body. My challenge or invitation to you is to make that your laboratory, to become a scientist inside of it, and start to do some experimentation, because that's where we can have real learning. And so I will be presenting tonight from the understanding of natural hygiene, right? very big on food combining. I'll also be presenting from years of my own experience, yeah? And I'll ask that you don't believe anything I say. Nothing I say tonight will be true. Because the only real truth is something that you have experienced yourself. So please don't believe me, verify the information. All right, so the topic for tonight, food combining. We have three simple basic concepts to get out of the way and kind of agree upon before we can go anywhere. Number one, read it out for me. What does it say? Simplicity. Simplicity, very good. Simplicity, this is Japanese Zen Buddhist concept. Right? Zen, we could all use some more of that in our lives. Yeah. Simplicity can not only create balance outside of the body, but also inside of the body. 
Many of you tonight will probably leave this lecture and go out to dinner. You guys will be back long. But the rest of you might. And when you sit down in a restaurant, the plate that's likely served in front of you often has on average more than 50 ingredients in it. If you count everything in the sauces, right, every little additive, preservative, flavoring, right, even natural ingredients, think about a recipe, how many things are listed, right? You would have two, three, four, five dishes at once. More than 50 ingredients, and each one of those ingredients is a chemical signal to your body. It's saying something. It's some input that's coming in. And so when you have more than 50 of them coming in at once, your body says, huh, 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 huh. And then all of a sudden it starts to get overwhelmed and says, enough. I can't listen. I can't take anymore. I can't interpret anymore. You see that? That definitely could relate in impaired digestion. You see that? And I'm going to take you back three and a half million years. Yeah, this is the, the kind of research that I did in the anthropology department for my master's. Right? I looked at human evolution. And you don't have to believe in evolutionary science. If you don't, cool. Just tone out for the next two minutes. But if you can embrace a concept that perhaps we've evolved along the lineage of the great apes, right? We are primates in nature. We still actually share more than 98.6% of our DNA with chimpanzees. That's a lot of DNA to be sharing. Yeah. And when we think about it, when we look at it, our digestive systems have barely changed at all in that three and a half million years. And if we look back to that time and say, well, how were we eating? All right, so take man and wild, right? Maybe still swinging arms a bit, not fully developed in the lumbar spine. Right? Man and wild would go perhaps to a tree. Let's take an example of a mango tree. Right? We'd see a mango tree, beautiful mangoes, maybe all different colors. This is why our eyes can see so many different scopes of colors, so that we can know when fruit is ripe. We would go to that mango tree, and what would we do? We would eat as many mangoes as we possibly could in one sitting until we felt full. You see that? And then what would we do? We would walk all along, head on out on our day. And then maybe, on, maybe later on we would find another tree and so on and so forth. But how many ingredients did I eat at that tree for my meal? One. Very good. One. Mango. And so that was one chemical signal to my stomach. My stomach had to do one thing over and over and over and over again. You better believe that your stomach's going to do a pretty good job when you've only given it one task. Now, my guess is that maybe some of you have like nine to five office jobs and you get a lot of tasks thrown at you. Do this, do that, do this, complete that. What if you were given like 50 of them at one time? How would you feel? And then what if I said, you know what, here, just work on this one thing. Don't you think you'd do a much better job? You would be so much more effective, so much more efficient. By following this ground rule of simplicity. Does that make sense? Yeah? So that's actually how your stomach's made to work. However, I don't want you guys to leave here and do what's called mono-mealing, right? Only eating mangoes for dinner. I mean, you're welcome to do it. Do try it out, maybe some point in the future. It's great to unlock understanding of your digestive system through that, right? But for now, that's not very practical to your life, right? It's simple, but it's not very practical. 
So rather than simply mono-mealing, what if I challenged you to make dinner one night and use no more than 10 ingredients? Or even five ingredients? Can you imagine? You would just have steamed, roasted, baked, simple, whole foods. That's the next point that we'll get to. Wouldn't you think that, that would start to sit better in your stomach, digest a little bit better? So this is the first invitation that I give you this evening. And if you learn nothing else for the next hour, maybe you'll take something away with simplicity. Okay? All right. From there, number two. What does it say? Whole foods. Awesome. Very good. So I'm not making an advertisement for the North American store chain. Um, but we are talking about whole foods in that we have foods that have been prepared by the perfection of the chef of Mother Earth, Mother Earth right? She's about the best chef that I ever met. Things prepared for you in complete entirety. So we'll use the same exact example that we just used, mangoes. You remember that? I have to limit the amount of foods that I talk about so that the detoxers don't start drooling. So we're just going to say mangoes. They don't think that's funny. Everyone else did. That's funny. All right, so if we take mangoes, inside of a mango is everything you need for that mango to digest. It even has living active chemical reactors called enzymes, which stir up a chemical reaction in the organ of the stomach, right? That's why a mango would rot over time. Inside that mango is tons of fibrous matter, a beautiful balance of vitamins and minerals, as well as a whole lot of water to make sure that the process of digestion is eased. Okay. So all you have to do is take, up, take off the convenient wrapping okay, and eat. Yeah. That's your mango. Okay. Now what if we had like a package of dried mangoes? Would that be a whole food? Ooh, I'm making you think. First time she's asked a question. There's a lot more questions to come, so put on your thinking caps. All right, I'm seeing some yes and I'm seeing some no. No, Oh, there we go. Indeed, no. The answer is no. Dried mango, not a whole food. Because the water was taken out, taken out, and the water is an integral, integral part of the entirety of the food. You see that? All right, so other examples, of course, more drastic ones that are a bit more obvious, things that are processed, packaged, like a packaged cake that you would find in a gas station store. Is that a whole food? Why is this taking you so long to answer? <laughs> no, you guys know it's not a whole food, right? That was not created by the chef of Mother Earth. That was made of tons of different processed, refined ingredients, you know, a bunch of white stuff, flour, sugar, maybe even other white stuff was thrown in. It's mixed up, made into this cake. When your body receives that, it actually doesn't really know what to do with it. Any kind of processed food is literally alien food to the body. The body says, wait a minute, huh? You see that? And in that processed food, you probably have a good 30 ingredients or so. Yeah? All right. And if we were to simplify it down, this is a tangent. If we were to simplify it down, everything in that gas station convenience store store is made up of about four ingredients. Oil, sugar... Flour. Salt. Salt. Yeah. Yeah. When you really think about it, just in different forms and different shapes, with different 
fancy, sexy labeling, different names. Kind of incredible and disgusting when I think about it. All right, but that was a bit too judgmental. I normally don't get that judgmental. So let's get back on track. All right, number two is Whole Foods. Save your question for the end, okay? So, yeah, save it for the end. All right, so Whole Foods, foods in entirety. These are the ones that the body understands and the body knows exactly how to process, all right? So we're just kind of creating these ground-breaking understandings so that we can start to go on the same train of thought together. The third point here is sequential eating. And that's what we're going to start to talk about now to get us into the lecture of food combining. Sequential eating is acknowledging that the organ of the stomach does not digest how I was taught in third grade that it did. Yeah? In the United States, I was taught that it was a big mixing pot, like a witch's brew, and everything in the stomach just churned around and came out the other side. Was anyone else taught that? Yeah, a few of you? Okay. So when indeed we look at the organ of the stomach, and I have one drawn up here, the stomach itself is a C-shaped bag-like organ, all right? and you can find it if you take your right fist and you put it at the center of the ribs, Right, where the ribs meet, and then go slightly over to your left. That's roughly where the stomach is located. Okay? And the stomach, when it's at full collapse, remember I told you guys this on day two? On day six, your stomach's going to be about the size of your fist. Right? The detoxer stomach is about this size. But when you fill it with food, the stomach can expand to, you remember how big volume? Huh? A liter and a half, the stomach itself expands to a liter and a half. They already learned that, that's why I was pop quizzing them. Okay, more pop quizzes to come. So the stomach, obviously if it expands, what do you feel like? Yeah, it's loaded, right? And we'll talk about loading more. But you can feel it when it has that expansiveness, okay? So that's the stomach, all right? It has an in point and an out point. Entry and exit, all right? And when things digest, they are digested through secretion of different kinds of enzymes, first in the mouth and the saliva, but unfortunately, people today aren't really chewing quite a lot. I recommend that people chew 40 times per bite. That's a lot. That's your challenge for dinner, okay? Then, once you swallow, or even before you swallow, even when you start to think about food or smell a certain food, your stomach begins to secrete certain gastric juices of a very specific quality dependent upon what you've eaten, all right? And the different gastric juices will have different pHs, they'll have different charges to them, more positive, alkaline, or more negative, acidic, all right? And those gastric juices, does anyone know where they're secreted from? The outside of the stomach, right? They're not always sitting there in the center of the stomach, right? They're secreted. And so they secrete from the stomach lining. And so understanding that is going to take us to the next point, all right? And the next point, indeed, is that when food comes into the stomach, it doesn't all mix up like that. Your body's an intelligent, amazing vehicle. And so the first food that you've eaten will surround itself at the wall, the lining of the stomach, right? Because that's where the gastric juices are secreted from. It'll digest, and when it finishes digesting, it'll make its way out into the small intestine. Right? The second thing that you ate will come inside of the first thing. Right? The third thing that you ate, maybe that was your appetizer, main course, dessert, something like that. The third thing will sit in the center. 
and the second head out to the side to be digested and find their way. And so what we're starting to unlock here is the understanding that we have concentric digestion occurring in the, in the stomach. Concentricity is the principle where you have a circle inside of a circle inside of a circle inside of a circle. You see that? So I've drawn a diagram up here whereby we have these arrows coming in from the outside. That's where the gastric juices are secreted from. Right? And then one thing at a time finds its way to the stomach lining, and then once it digests, it heads on out. So what we're starting to understand and what we're starting to create here is realizing that we can't just throw anything we want in there and expect it to digest like that. In fact, the digestion, as one of my teachers once said, is a liken to a one-lane highway. All right? Or I make a joke, any Bali road. One-lane highway. All right? And on a one-lane highway, thanks, love, you have one lane, which means you cannot pass, bypass anything. So if you've driven here in Bali, you've experienced a big old dump truck or a humongous tour bus, right? And me, there on my little fast Scooby, I want to get around, but I just can't. I just can't. Digestion, indeed, is a one-lane highway. And I've, I've drawn this highway up here so you can start to see. But if you understand that things are going to digest in the order in which you ate them sequentially, then you can start to understand that you can also have an opportunity to become the best traffic controller that there ever was. All right, food traffic controller. And so if you think about this logically, what you're gonna to start to do is say, well, wait a minute, how long does something take to go through the stomach, right? How fast does it drive? You see that? And so when we look here, we start to see, put this one back over here, we start to see that different foods take different amounts of time to pass through the organ of the stomach. All right, and this is when the highway is clear. This is when you have an empty stomach. So like when you wake up first thing in the morning, right? The fastest thing passing in and out of the stomach, what do you think it is? There we go, liquid, liquid, all right? So I have written up here 15 minutes. Indeed, liquid is this fill in the blank, liquids. When taken in uninhibited, so on an empty stomach, empty highway, they'll pass in and out of the organ of the stomach in 15 minutes, all right? Next fastest thing, kind of like a class of food, what do you think it is? Fruit. There we go, fruit, smart fruit tonight. Why would fruit be the next fastest thing? Yes, now we have our thinking caps on because it is the most water containing. Indeed, fruit will take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to pass in and out of the stomach when eaten alone and on an empty stomach. All right? Next group of foods, what do you think? What's the next most water-containing thing? There we go. Vegetables. So this is a culinary definition, vegetables. Most of vegetables botanically are actually fruit, right? But we'll include a lot of leafy green vegetables here as well. So our next class of foods indeed is vegetables. And vegetables can take one to two hours to pass in and out of an empty stomach, all right? Next up here, what do you think it should be? Two to three hours is your time frame. All right, so complex carbohydrates or starches, that's the word that we're gonna use together today, starches, all right? And just so you make sure to understand, starches are things that you'll think about 
about like rice, like bread, like pasta, right? But starches are also certain cooked starchy vegetables, cooked cauliflower, cooked corn, right? These are all starches. You see that? Also, the non-glutinous grains, things like buckwheat, quinoa, we're going to put them here with starches, okay? One more class of foods is left. What do you think it is? Three to five, three to four plus hours. Right. Grains is going to be under starches, honey. Good try. Guess again. All right, so we're guessing some things that would go under a category called proteins. Yeah? Concentrated proteins. So I'm going to take a little aside here um, and tell you that number two up here, whole foods, the true definition of this is a food that has within it all three of the macronutrients. And what are the macronutrients? Do I have any nutrition geeks in here? Think about it. There we go. Okay, so macronutrients, those are the micronutrients. Macronutrients are fats carbohydrates, and proteins. There are only three. And in any whole food, like that mango, they all exist in a certain percentage. So what that means is, guess what? That mango has protein in it. That also means that that mango even has fat in it. Right? A really small percentage, but it's there. And the combination of the three is what makes it a whole food. Okay, so the categories that we have up here, starches and concentrated proteins, these are mostly carbohydrate and mostly concentrated protein. But of course, within an almond, right, you also have a teeny little bit of carbohydrate, right? Within meat, you definitely have fat. See that? And so whole foods are a mix of all three. But for these categories, we're looking at the majority is carbohydrate or the majority is concentrated protein. Does that make sense? You with me? I don't want to lose you yet. It's too early on. Okay? We can do this. So, if understanding that, we're going to start to apply it. Let's say we wake up in the morning and we have something to drink. Maybe a green juice. Maybe a lot of water. How long should I wait before eating? 15 minutes. Because I want to make sure that that water is not held up. I want to make sure that it can come in and out of the stomach, all right? And then, what do you think a really good thing? If you're a traffic controller, what's the fastest thing that we can send down the digestive highway so we can come in and out really rapidly without having to wait? Fruit. So one of the many campaigns that I have is called Fruit for Breakfast, right? That's a great time to eat fruit when you have an empty highway, an empty stomach, right? You can send that rapidly digesting food in and out. See that? So it's not held up. And we'll talk about what happens when it's held up in a second. From there, you know, I could perhaps go on my day along this trajectory, starting to arrange things so that they're fastest digesting. Does that make sense? All right? Now, all right, once you have that in line, I'm going to give you guys one minute, no more than one minute, to small talk with your neighbor. And now I'm going to draw up here for you a master food combining chart, okay? So one minute, small talk with your neighbor. Hello. 
starches require kind of a more alkaline gastric juice, more of an alkaline environment, so we'll think of that as positive to simplify. Right? The complex pro or the concentrated proteins require more of an acidic environment to digest. In fact, a true carnivore, like I have a little puppy dog, she's five months old. If you haven't met her yet, you can come babysit. My puppy dog, carnivore in nature, right, has these teeth like saw. You don't have those. But anyway, my puppy dog, her stomach has 20 times as much hydrochloric acid than yours or mine. Right? So humans like to think, oh, I'm low on hydrochloric acid. 20 times as much. That's a lot more in the carnivore's belly. Okay? So definitely concentrated proteins require an acidic kind of environment to digest. So we have your negative, positive, positive, negative. I'm going to take you back to high school, all right, secondary school, when you were in the chemistry laboratory, and you were given an assignment to mix two solutions, the positive and the negative. And there you were. You were so excited. You were expecting an explosion, and you put them together, and what happens? They cancel each other out. You've completely neutralized this environment where you're trying to have a chemical reaction. Neutralized. Yeah? Digestion is indeed a chemical reaction. And when you put positive and negative in the same jar, the same stomach, cancels each other out. So there, when you're trying to have a digestive reaction occur, and everything's just neutralized, it's going to start to take a really long time. So even though alone and on an empty stomach, these things might take two to three or three to four or more hours, when they're put together, the whole process is greatly delayed. And digestion in the stomach can take 10, 15, even 20 hours in the stomach alone. Yeah? Don't tell me you've never gone to sleep after a heavy dinner and then woken up in the morning and you're like, Ugh, whoa, that tasted like dinner. Guess what? It was dinner, and it's still in your stomach. Okay? So, really amazing to start to think about these things, because that should have gone on its way along the highway, but somehow it didn't. See that? So, I already taught the detoxers that transit time, that's the total amount of time it takes for something to travel from mouth to anus. Yeah, those of you in the back row probably aren't sure how long that should take. How long should that take? There we go, 17 and a half to 24 hours. That's the range that it should take, the amount of time for something to travel from mouth to anus. That means that before you go to have dinner tonight, you should have effectively pooped out dinner from last night. Right? But with that said, I also taught them that average transit times, and this is really old data, average transit time for humans on Earth about 15 years ago was 70 hours. Seven zero seventy hours from mouth to anus. Right. So we have, let's say, a bit of a traffic jam going on in our digestive highway. Okay, and this is starting to unlock perhaps why. If we have things spending sixteen hours in the stomach, by all means, the entire transit time is going to be lengthened. Does that make sense? All right. So what can we do from this? Well, guess what? The only kind of answer is to start to eat these foods separately. Okay. You start to have them perhaps on different days, or at least at different meals. And I know this might actually blow your complete repertoire of cooking out of the water, because that old steak and potatoes meal, 
steak and potatoes, right? Your chicken parmesan, chicken parmesan pasta. Yeah. All of that got completely obliterated in our stomach, right? And this is a comment I, I always make, so I'm sorry if there are any Italian nationals in the room. But when was the last time that you felt really good going home after an Italian meal? Yeah, point made. Okay, so we start to see, and you can just say pizza, because what's pizza? Cheese, bread. See that? Yeah? Okay, so we're starting to unlock the secrets of digestion. All right, and with this unlocked, we're going to look at the center two canals. The, the translation would be that you want to have concentrated proteins and complex carbohydrates at separate meals. How long do you think you would want between them? Start to put your thinking caps on. Okay, so let's say you need a, a complex carbohydrate first for lunch. And you'll wait at least three hours, right? Better four hours, just to be safe, right? Before you even start to chew on a complex carbohydrate, a complex protein, concentrated protein. Enough words. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, awesome. So, these middle two categories here, vegetables. We love vegetables, right? They're like a happy family. They're going with everything on this chart. The other one below that, what does it say? Leafy greens. Take a glance around you outside. What color do you see? Green. Green. That is actually the number one thing missing from the human diet today, leafy green vegetables. This is indeed what we're intended to be eating a lot more than we are, yeah? Green is made because of chlorophyll, plant food that it makes from the sun, the pranic energy, the original energy of Earth, right? And chlorophyll, when you take it molecularly into a laboratory, it's one element different than hemic, the color in human blood. So green things actually build our blood and cleanse our blood. Somehow they're totally missing from our diet. So these are the all-stars of this map. You'll start to notice that the leafy greens have these awesome little leaves that are hanging over into the what section? The fruit section, right? Even though we have that rule that fruit can only be eaten alone and on an empty stomach, leafy greens are so juicy and water-containing if they're young, baby, tender, sweet leafy greens, right? But they'll digest quite rapidly in about 45 minutes. And they can get along quite well, actually, with fruit. Right? So there's your green smoothie. All right. So we have here the three basic main rules of, of beginning food combining. That's my intention to teach you tonight. Fruit is to be eaten alone and on an empty stomach. And starches and proteins are to be eaten separately. Now you understand why. Right? I'm going to give you, from here on out, kind of a five-step plan. Okay. Because this stuff is a lot of new information. It probably tipped the ship on how you've been living your life for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Okay? And so a guideline on how to follow from here. Number one is to change nothing and simply start to observe. Start to observe what it is that you normally eat, where that is located on the food combining map. Right? Start to observe how you feel after certain meals, things like that. Right? Number one is to observe. Change nothing. Number two is to start to experiment. Right? Start to 
dabble. Have a few meals that are well combined, right? So you can have like, I don't know, something like a normal vegan meal would be complex carbohydrates, if it's rice or buckwheat or something, pumpkin, right? Any kind of starch. And then you're going to have it with vegetables and leafy greens, right? And roasted vegetables and all these different things. You see that? Pretty simple. I know nuts or seeds, those would be over there, right? And then maybe you have nuts and seeds sometime and you want to have nuts and seeds with vegetables or leafy greens, right? You can have that. Maybe you're having fruit for breakfast. So number two is to start to experiment, okay? And just see how it makes you feel. That's it. Number three from there is to commit. To say, you know what? I'm going to become that scientist in the laboratory of my body. And I'm going to take a certain period of time. Perhaps it's like two weeks. That's usually the minimum for any kind of dietary test, 15 days. Okay? And say, I'm going to follow as close as I can all of this. And I'm going to see how it makes me feel. I'm going to start to notice the difference. All right? Maybe you take a longer period of time, maybe a month. Maybe you're feeling so good and your belly is so flat that you want to just continue. Number four then, mind you, is to mess up, right? Fall off the bandwagon, right? Have some pizza, maybe, right? That's my story, I, I don't have too much time to share it, but the story that I normally share is one of my most famous of all time mess ups. It was years ago, way back when I started food combining, right? I got up to number three, I had committed, and my digestive tract was like, hallelujah, I'm on holiday. I don't have all those signals coming in. I don't have to secrete two different kinds of environments at once, right? I can be simple, simplicity. So my digestive tract was really happy. And then I went home to visit my parents in the United States. And like good parents, they thought they would be sweet. And so they ordered for me the kind of pizza that I used to like when I was a kid from like the little local pizza place, right? And they're like, hey, look what we got you. And I was like, ooh, e, ah. But I appeased my parents because I'm a very good daughter. And so I ate it, right? I thought, oh, I'll throw one back for good old times. And there I was. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It tastes great, especially all of that cheese, condensed calories right there, straight dopamine shot to the brain. Same thing that happens when you snort cocaine. That's why we love cheese, right? Okay. There I was, after eating the pizza, about looking like I was nine months pregnant, sitting by my toilet, rocking back and forth in so much pain, wishing that something would come out either one end or the other. Because my digestive tract had had a holiday, right? And when I made it start to work again, it said, oh, no, <laughs> right? And bloating is definitely a very common sign of digestive malady. I already told you guys about fermentation. Well, the other form of it, when you mix these two together, complex carbohydrates and concentrated proteins, is putrefication, actual rotting, right? The bubbles of putrefication that we see in the colonic tube are big, fat bubbles, right? These are the uh, and the excuse me, yeah? So I know you felt this, so you can laugh, right? We're all humans. That's a signal of maldigestion, right? So it's about time that we start to listen to it. You see that? So that was my story of messing up. I encourage you to mess up after that period of commitment because that's going to be the verification. Remember I said, don't believe me. Verify me. Right? It takes a process of cleaning and cleansing. 
It takes a process of letting your digestive system know what holiday is before it can start to react. Because the thing, the truth is that today people are just throwing whatever they want down the gauntlet and hoping that it goes down. And so they don't notice anymore right, that it feels good or bad because to them it's just normal. Yeah? So from there, number five then, and it's only number five. I encourage you to go through these steps slowly at their own pace. Only at number five will you go on to Google G online, Shri Shri Google G, and you will look up food combining chart. When you do that, you'll go to the images tab, and they'll give you a bunch of different charts, a bunch of different people's interpretations. They'll have about 17 arrows pointing in every which direction. They'll have many more categories than I've given you today. But the thing is, if you go to number five first, if you see one of those first, it can tend to be really overwhelming, right? And you don't tend to do very well. Whereas what we're doing here is following the rule of simplicity and setting you up for success. Does that make sense? All right, hurrah. So we have a few minutes left for questions. I'm going to implant the first question into the audience. Michael, what's the first question? Uh, you don't remember? Okay, what about beans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the first question. All right, what about beans? Beans. Beans, the seed of a plant. All right, there's a seed of a plant. But what is that little rhyme that we had? Beans, beans, they're good for your heart. Beans, beans, they make you fart. Or beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. I don't know if that's a North American thing. Anyone? Is that? Yes? All right, so we have these rhymes about beans. We notice that when you eat beans, you fart a lot. Well, indeed, because beans are the seed of a plant, inside you have a starchy matter, especially when you cook it. That's what starts to enliven the starchiness. But the outside of the bean, the casing, is indeed dun, 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 a concentrated protein. So right there in our bean itself, we have a mixture between a complex carbohydrate and a concentrated protein. Yeah? A la a farting. Okay? So, wow, that blew your mind. You're saying, well, does that mean I'm never supposed to eat beans again? But I'm vegetarian and beans are such a big base of my diet, right? Or culturally, beans are the, the food that sustains my people. Awesome. awesome. That's not a joke, that's serious. Awesome. All right, well, what if, what if we soak the beans? What if we put them in water? Have you ever done this? I think of something like a chickpea or a garbanzo bean. Naturally, what starts to happen when you soak them? All right, they start to sprout. A germination process happens inside, a chemical reaction. It mimics as if you were to plant that seed once again, right? But also, I saw back there, the skin starts to peel off. Remember that? The concentrated protein part of it just leaves. And you'll notice that when you do that, you can actually peel the skin off beans. What are you left with? Complex carbohydrate. And that'll digest just fine if you eat it with other complex carbohydrates. So that's your bean solution. Right, anyone else have a question? Yes, back there. Cool. So tomatoes, yes, indeed, botanically are a fruit. They would be a fast digesting vegetable. They're acidic kind of fruit. You could eat them with other fruits, or you could eat them with vegetables because they're a non-sweet fruit. Hmm? 
Mm, come to talk to me after class. Okay? But yes, for your sake, you could combine tomatoes with fruits or with vegetables. Awesome. Yes? What did you eat today? <laughs> what did I eat today? Everyone always asks that question. I had three different, well, I don't want to say this in front of the detoxers. <laughs> you guys knew I wasn't fasting with you, right? <laughs> you, I thought you were. That would be irresponsible of me. <laughs> Love you. I had um, two or three different types of leafy green vegetables. Yeah? Um, I had some mushrooms. And I had, what else did I have with that? That was it. About six bananas in the morning. Yeah? Yeah. All right, well, come back next week and we can maybe talk about my dietary plan. For now, we're talking about your stomach. All right, back there. Um, a lot of us come to this, this knowledge like later in life or whatever. We've obviously had a pretty terrible diet for most of our lives at this point. Do you think we're doing any lasting damage? Because people come to this information at different points in their lives. So if I turn to Jesus at the end of hour and start <laughs> eating this really fantastic diet today, do you think I'm going to suffer in the future for what we've done? And if I prolong this bad diet for, say, five years? <laughs> He's prioritizing his life. I love it. Thank you for Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, awesome question. So my answer, first of all, is that tonight I wasn't talking about what to eat. I didn't say anything about what to eat. What I'm talking about is how you eat it. Do you see that? So if you're talking about a poor man's pocket, a poor man can definitely food combine. It's probably even easier to be simple. You see that? Whole foods. Okay? That's number one. Number two answer to your question, does incorrect food combining have a detrimental effect on the human body? Yes? Does eating a lot of, or does drinking a lot of alcohol have a detrimental effect on the human body? Yes. Right, when you have the chemicals of maldigestion running through your bloodstream, the liver has to process them. And so over time, that's definitely going to have an effect. And so yes, vitality, youthfulness, will food combining and practicing these rules make you look and feel younger? You better bet it. Because as soon as you incorrectly combine, right? How did you feel after that big Italian restaurant dinner? Really super tired, right? A great example from North America, the big North American Thanksgiving meal, right? We make an excuse that it's the tryptophan and the turkey, but indeed it's all those different combinations of a million different foods that you've eaten at once. Everyone falls asleep afterwards. It literally exhausts you and it creates a certain toxicity in the bloodstream, but yes. Now the second part of your question is, can I undo that? Or will it have lasting damage? Well, we can say that about anything. We can say that about breathing toxic fumes. Can I undo that? Or will it have lasting damage? Well, are you living a life that enhances your natural systems of detoxification? Are you taking breaks where you're fasting so that the system can have a rest and repair and rejuvenation? It depends upon how you live your life. But yeah, in, in general, yes, it's definitely available to be reversed and healed, whatever it is. Now, if you're thinking, should I spend the next five years of my life food combining or partying and having fun? I'm gonna tell you that if you put out this much effort to start food combining, your life of partying and having fun is gonna be filled with so much more energy and vitality and cleanliness and clear clarity of the mind as well as the body. Yeah? All right, we have a million different questions. Uh, any detoxers have questions? You guys are just tired. All right, we're going to go over here. Um, what about coffee? And how does that apply to all of this? 
Um, okay, so you've just thrown a curveball, and we're already one minute after. Um, so it's a liquid, right? So we're going to want it alone and on an empty stomach. Right? Coffee is incredibly dehydrating. It's also very acidic. The pH of coffee tends to be about 2 or 3. The pH of your human blood is about 7.34. And it cannot deviate even slightly away from that. And so what ends up happening when you have things like coffee or alcohol is that you're actively leaching calcium from the bones to re-alkalize the bloodstream. One glass of coffee dehydrates you to four glasses of water. So my question for you is why? But that's another story. In terms of digestion, it's definitely going to damper anything because of its acidity. If you're having it with a complex carbohydrate, it's definitely going to ruin the digestion. Because it's a laxative. It's a slight poison to the body. And so the body wants to flush it out and get rid of it as fast as possible. You are on your own, I would recommend definitely you must have green juice if you want to have some coconut water or something else like that. Um, please come back for another week and I'll give you a full instructional guideline on, on how to go through a fast. Alright, one more question. Who thinks that their question is applicable to everyone else in the room? They're so positive. It's so applicable. Everyone else has the same exact question. Alright, you. <laughs> the last one with the hand standing. Yes. Ah, fermented foods. Very good question. Fermented foods aid in the digestion of whatever's in the stomach because of the wonderful living bacterial landscape of the fermented food itself. For those of you who don't know what fermented foods are, they are kimchi, miso, sauerkraut, any other kind of fermented vegetable, original true pickle, etc., etc., etc. You can also have them in liquid form like coconut kefir, those green bottles in the fridge down there. Awesome. Kombucha, these are other kinds of fermented foods, okay? They do indeed aid in digestion. I would recommend that you eat them with really any cooked food you have. If you are choosing to eat animal flesh, a la concentrated protein, you must have them to even start to digest what the flesh is. Yeah, it's required that you would have that kind of fermented food with them. Good last question. Thank you for asking. Bravo, everyone. Incredible people, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.